Section 6 of The Art or Craft of Rhetoric. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amelia Chesley. The Art or Craft of Rhetoric by Leonard Cox. The Art or Craft of Rhetoric. Whomsoever desireth to be a good orator, or to dispute and commune of any manner thing, him behoveth to have four things. The first is called invention, for he must first of all imagine or invent in his mind what he shall say. The second is named judgment, for he must have wit to discern and judge whether the things that he hath found in his mind be convenient to the purpose or not. For oftentimes, if a man lack this propriety, he may as well tell that that is against him as with him, as experience doth daily show. The third is disposition, whereby he may know how to order and set everything in his due place, lest, though his invention and judgment be never so good, he may happen to be counted, as the common proverb saith, to put the cart afore the horse. The fourth, and is such things last, as he hath invented and by judgment known apt to his purpose, when they are set in their order, so to speak them that it may be pleasant and delectable to the audience. So that it may be said of him that histories make mention that an old woman said once by Demosthenes, and since hath been a common proverb among the Greeks, aftos estes, which is as much to say as, this is he. And this last propriety is called among learned men eloquence. Of these four, the most difficile or hard is to invent what thou must say. Wherefore, of this part, the rhetoricians which be masters of this art have written very much and diligently. Invention is comprehended in certain places, as the rhetoricians call them, out of whom he that knoweth the faculty may fetch easily such things as be meet for the matter that he shall speak of which matter the orator calleth the theme, and in our vulgar tongue it is called improperly the antitheme. The theme proposed, we must after the rules of rhetoric go to our places that shall anon show unto us what shall be to our purpose. Example. In old time there was a great envy between two noblemen of Rome, of whom the one was called Milo and the other Claudius. The which malice grew so far that Claudius laid wait for Milo on a season when he should ride out of the city, and in his journey set upon him, and there, as it chanced, Claudius was slain. Whereupon this Claudius's friends accused Milo to the senate of murder. Tully, which in those days was a great advocate in Rome, should plead Milo's cause. Now it was open that Milo had slain Claudius, but whether he had slain him lawfully or not was the doubt. So then the theme of Tully's oration, or plea for Milo, was this, that he had slain Claudius lawfully, and therefore he ought not to be punished. For the confirmation whereof, as doth appear in Tully's oration, he did bring out of places of rhetoric arguments to prove his said theme or purpose. And likewise must we do when we have any matter to speak or commune of, as if I should make an oration to the laud and praise of the king's highness. I must for the invention of such things as be for my purpose go to the places of rhetoric where I shall easily find, after I know the rules, that that I desire.
Here is to be noted that there is no theme but it is contained under one of four causes, or for the more plains, four kinds of orations. The first is called logical, which kind we call properly disputation. The second is called demonstrative, the third deliberative, the fourth judicial, and these three last be properly called species or kinds of orations, whose natures shall be declared separately hereafter, with the craft that is required in every one of them. All themes that pertain to logic, either they be simple or compound. As if a man desire to know of me what justice is, this only thing, justice, is my theme. Or if disputation be had in any company upon religion, and I would declare the very nature of religion, my theme should be this simple or one thing, religion. But if it be doubted whether justice be a virtue or not, and I would prove the part affirmative, my theme were now compound, that is to say, justice is a virtue, for it is made of two things, knit or unite together, justice and virtue. Here it must be noted that logic is a plain and a sure way to instruct a man of the truth of everything, and that in it the natures, causes, parts, and effects of things are by certain rules discussed and searched out, so that nothing can be perfectly and properly known but by rules of logic, which is nothing but an observation or a diligent marking of nature, whereby in everything man's reason doth consider what is first, what last, what proper, and what improper. The places or instruments of a simple theme are the definition of the thing, the parts, the causes, the effects. Example. If thou inquire what thing justice is, whereof it cometh, what parts it hath, and what is the office or effect of every part, then hast thou diligently searched out the whole nature of justice, and handled thy simple theme according to the precepts of logicians, to whom our author leaneth such matters to be discussed of them. Howbeit somewhat the rhetoricians have to do with a simple theme, and as much as shall be for their intent, we will show hereafter. For many times the orator must use both definitions and divisions, but as they be in logic plain and compendious, so are they in rhetoric extended and painted with many figures and ornaments, longing to the science. Nevertheless, to satisfy the reader's mind and to alleviate the tediousness of searching these places, I will open the manner and fashion of the handling of the theme aforesaid as plainly as I can after the precepts of logic. First, to search out the perfect knowledge of justice, I go to my first place definition and fetch from Aristotle in his Ethics the definition of justice, which is this. Justice is a moral virtue whereby men be the workers of rightful things. That is to say, whereby they both love and also do such things as be just. This done, I search the cause of justice, that is to say, from whence it took the first beginning, and because that it is a moral virtue, and Plato, in the end of his dialogue, Menon, concludeth that all virtue cometh of God, I am assured that God is the chief cause of justice, declaring it to the world by his instrument, man's wit, which the same Plato affirmeth in the beginning of his laws. The definition and cause had, 
I come to the third place called parts to know whether there be but one kind of justice or else many. And for this purpose I find that Aristotle, in the fifth of his ethics, divideth justice in two species or kinds, one that he calleth justice legitime or legal, and another which he called equity. Justice legal is that that consisteth in the superiors which have power to make or statute laws to the inferiors, and the office or end of this justice is to make such laws as be both good and according to right and conscience, and then to declare them, and when they are made, and published as they ought to be, to see that they be put in use. For what availeth it to make never so good laws if they be not observed and kept? And finally, that the maker of the law apply his whole study and mind to the wealth of his subjects and to the common profit of them. The other kind of justice, which men call equity, is whereby a man neither take, neither giveth less nor more than he ought, but in giving take the good heed that every man have according as he deserveth. This equity is again divided into equity distributive of common things and equity commutative. By equity distributive is distributed and given of common goods to every man according to his deservings and as he is worthy to have. As to divide among such as long to the church of the church goods after the quality of their merits, and to them that be civil persons of the common treasure of the city, according as they are worthy. In this part is comprehended the punishment of misdoers and transgressors of the law, to whom correction must be distributed for the commonwealth according to their demerits, after the prescriptions of the laws of the country, made and determined for the punishment of any manner transgressor. Equity commutative is a just manner in the changing of things from one to another, whose office or effect is to keep just dealing in equity, as buying, selling, and all other bargains lawful. And so are here with the species of justice declared their offices, which was the fourth and last place. Our officer, also in a great work that he hath made upon rhetoric, declareth the handling of a theme simple, by the same example of justice, adding two places more, which are called affines and contraries on this manner. What is justice? A virtue whereby to everything is given that that to it belongeth. What is the cause thereof? Man's will consenting with laws and manners. How many kinds? Two. Which? Commutative and distributive. For in two manners is our meddling with other men, either in things of our substance and wares, or in gentle and civil conversation. What thing is justice commutative? Right and equity in all contracts. What is justice distributive? Justice of civil living. How manyfold is justice distributive? Either it is common or private. The common is called in Latin pietas but in english it may be most properly named good order which is the crown of all virtues conserving honesty and civil conversation of men together as the heads with the mean commonality in good unite and concord private or several justice distributive is honesty and amiable friendship and conversation of neighbors what are the offices 
to do for every man, rich or poor, of whatsomever state he be, and for our country, for our wives, children, and friends, that that ought to be done for every of them. Affines, or virtues, nigh to justice, are constancy, liberality, temperance. Things contrary are fear, covetous, prodigality. And this is the manner of handling of a simple theme, dialectual. But yet let not the reader deceive himself, and think that the very perfect knowledge is showed him here, what hath been showed now is somewhat general and brief. More sure and exact knowledge is contained in logic, to whom I will advise them that be studious to resort and to fetch everything in his one proper faculty. Of a theme compound. Every theme compound, either it is proved true or false. Now, whether thou wilt prove or improve anything, it must be done by argument. And any theme compound, be it logical or rhetorical, it must be referred to the rules of logic by them to be proved true or false. For this is the difference that is between these two sciences, that the logician in disputing observeth certain rules for the setting of his words, being solicitous that there be spoken no more nor no less than the thing requireth and that it be even as plainly spoken as it is thought but the rhetorician seeketh about and borroweth when he can as much as he may for to make the simple and plain logical arguments gay and delectable to the ear so then the sure judgment of arguments or reasons must be learned of the logician but the craft to set them out with pleasant figures and to dilate the matter longeth to the rhetorician as in milo's cause of whom was made mention afore a logician would briefly argue whosoever violently will slay another may lawfully of the other be slain in his defence claudius would violently have slain milo wherefore claudius might lawfully be slain of milo in milo's own defence and this argument the logicians call a syllogism in dari which tully in his oration extendeth that in four or five leaves it is scant made an end of nor no man can have knowledge whether tully's argument that he maketh in his oration for milo be a good argument or not and how it holdeth except he can by logic reduce it to the perfect and brief form of a syllogism taking in the mean season of the rhetoricians what ornaments have been cast so for to light and augment the oration and to give it a majesty the places out of whom are found arguments for the proving or improving of compound themes are these following definition cause parts like contrary of the places of arguments shall be spoken hereafter for as touching them in all things the rhetorician and logician do agree but as concerning the craft to form arguments when thou hast found them in their places that must be learned of the logician where he treateth of the form of syllogisms and the memes and inductions end of section six